Hi, my name is Alex Williams, founder of The New Stack, and you're listening to The New Stack Analyst Podcast, a show about application, development, and management at scale. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our end of year show. We have the top shows, the top stories of the year, the what was hot, what was not. I'm very excited for our discussion today with our team from the new stack, Job Jackson, managing editor. Hello, Job. What's up? So, yeah, well, well, what's up? That's going to be the big question today. And Libby Clark. Hello, Libby. Our, hey, dir- Alex, edi- hey, our editorial director and Sup. marketing champ. Sup. Sup. Stephen Vaughn Nichols in the house. Hello, Stephen. Hello, hello. And Jennifer Riggins. Hello. Looking good, Jennifer. And Stephen, <laughs> looking good as usual. Both of our correspondents here. And last but not least, Bruce Gain. Hey, hey. Bruce is calling in from our video getting a video link here from from france jennifer's in london yeah steve's in north carolina job's in new york i believe in brooklyn libby and i are in portland so hello everyone out there all you new stack uh friends of ours so thanks for tuning in for this recording we're going to talk about the top stories of the year what was hot what was not so i thought i'd start with our managing editor, Job Jackson, to give us the highlights of the year, some of the top posts. I know we've been collecting the top stories and what they've been looking like. So what do you got? All right. All right. We had a lot of uh, things popping off in uh, uh, 2020. Of course, uh, uh, the year was interrupted uh, through COVID. And uh, so everybody took a left turn, hard left turn in, in March or so. But uh, a lot of things came out of that. A lot of things were kind of bubbling around before that. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a wide range of topics. I'll just throw them out there in mass. Uh, we had a big discussion earlier this year about uh, uh, when to use microservices and when to use monoliths. Uh, microservices aren't always the... Uh, appropriate uh, choice depending on the application needs uh, a lot of discussion around there uh, vulnerability management needs a patch we uh, uh, the current system of uh, of rating vulnerabilities uh, and uh, uh, getting the patches out to the software might need an overhaul so there's something there we've seen a lot of movement with uh, rust potentially overtaking C as a more safe uh, uh, low-level programming language um, uh, things happening, things, a lot of things happening with the Linux kernel. Uh, uh, Leonard Pottering, uh, uh, creator of System D, is talking about revamping the uh, home directories to make them more suitable for this day of uh, uh, of uh, um, distributed computing, and also a lot of movement around uh, uh, the extended uh, BPF as a way to bring programming into the kernel. That might change uh, everything from uh, IP, the use of IP tables, which you could replace, to actually uh, providing a lot more efficient monitoring. 
Uh, the solar wind showed that there are still vulnerabilities in the uh, supply chain that we need to uh, to deal with. Uh, and then there's other things like web assemblies coming along, and it might be uh, uh, might be crucial for cloud native extensibility. We're seeing a little bit of movement away from uh, 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 from Kubernetes and towards uh, control planes, in particular cross plane and the open application model, to make things easier for developers. We're also seeing a lot more Kubernetes uh, action happening on the edge. Uh, so, uh, and oh, um, we can't forget also the, the movement to make more appropriate IT terminology, getting rid of these loaded terms like whitelist and master slave for something, you know, a little bit more, uh, culturally sensitive. So, you know, th that's just what I noticed is coming out of the gate, what's happening here, but, uh, a lot of things happening this year. It was such a funny year, wasn't it? And I, I think it's almost like a cliche at this point to 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 think of it that way. But I, I go back to March, and um, I think I made two trips to this um, last year. One with Eddie down to uh, down to uh, the Silicon Valley for uh, something we did with Palo Alto Networks, and then I made a trip to Dallas and uh, to visit my daughter with, uh, you know, and that was it. And then that was that, and then everything changed, and we saw so many uh, different forms of virtual events pop up. But the stories just kept coming. The stories just kept on hitting. And Libby, I'm curious from your perspective. Then, what what did we see through the year? What were some of the things that uh, that our data analytics has helped uh, us understand better? Sure. Well, <clears throat> we do a reader survey every year where we ask our readers uh, what topics they're most interested in reading uh, and listening um, about on the new stack in the coming year. And we've been tracking that data now for three years. Um, and so we have sort of benchmarks for um, the different topics. And we can kind of see things rising and falling um, over the years. And so it's, it's interesting to me to see the change over last year. Um, some of the topics that Job just brought up um, in terms of our top stories fall really nicely um, into what the trends that we're seeing overall on the site. And so um, uh, if you want to bring up the a chart, we have um, uh, year over year, we have uh, we've seen an increase in security topics. So what you're, what you're seeing here is um, 2020 over 2019, 2018 and 2017 data. And that blue there on security means that it's uh, increasing in, in, in interest. And same with GitOps. Um, so a lot of those um, uh, configuration management issues that we've seen rising up this year, I think, um, is being reflected in that topic. And then we also see the decline in CICD and a decline in application monitoring and performance as we've seen those um, issues being addressed more in the market um, as Kubernetes matures. If I can just sort of throw out there, one thing that I certainly have noticed to uh, take something that you would said earlier, Alex, is this has been in many ways a, a truly odd year. Uh, and, uh, you know, I myself, when it's gone from work travel is I've gone from an average of over 100,000 miles a year to uh, zero, zero miles a year. Uh, but as now everyone is working from home, I think we have clearly can see, though, that just because 
developers and programmers and system administrators and DevOps people, just because we're working at home doesn't mean that we still haven't been getting a lot of work done and that we are continuing to advance the state of the art when it comes to uh, you know, cloud native computing, Kubernetes. Uh, I mean, if anything, it seems to me that we've actually have been getting more progress being made uh, across the floor uh, from everything from meshes to uh, taking security more seriously, which we certainly should. And it's just, uh, it's sort of fascinating to me that work from home has not meant that we would you know, suddenly get lazy, which a lot of middle managers, Al Dilbert would say, we would just be spending our time doing nothing. And the, the reverse, if anything, has been true. We've been uh, pushing forward uh, more so than ever. Does anyone else see that? Or is that just my imagination? A hundred percent. I think if we were talking about something, I think tech is working harder than ever not easier. Um, earlier today, Tatiana Mack, who's a tech influencer and just this awesome person, uh, tweeted, I think the best thing I've read so far. She said, today is my first last day of teaching my HTML slash CSS students. My first year of university teaching involved a global pandemic, a war on justice, wildfires, and an election with a ooh, face. Uh, followed by, mm -hmm. I think that was a wonderful way to describe it because mm -hmm. That's been our life and so many people's lives. And a lot of us are just stuck at home and we sometimes forget about the other lives. But since tech's job is to make creative solutions to the now, everything that's happening now and will be mm. happening in the next year is tech. Tech is the only option for solutions. So by uh, we even read Zoom just released an article this today, I think they were saying they were back in March actually putting timers on and allowing doing alternate sleep schedules for all staff because that's how like important it felt in March. So I think the first jobs to really feel still a lot of people lost jobs, but the first jobs to really feel responsibility was tech. So I think we've been probably working harder than ever because we have no work life balance <laughs> at all anymore. Yeah, I think if I could add, um, you know, Alex mentioned this where he said in the story just kept coming in 2020 and then Stephen you and, and Jennifer you extrapolated on that and you know as you mentioned Stephen it, the work they are getting the work done and and it seems that the the actual actual engineering work and the operations work in the context of DevOps that has just been going on as usual and you know we're seeing a lot of adoption and you know war stories out there about the adoption of and working together hence the increased interest in uh, get ops for example and you know the way i see it a lot of times when i'm speaking with people <clears throat> especially the developers you know they're not they might before have been sitting in a cubicle maybe just what they could walk over and talk to their co-worker you know now they're just doing the same process they're putting their code on get ops or on git and they're getting the work done. And at the same time, you know, this year, it was interesting to see how these certain tools are being, I guess, honed is the right word. And in particular, service mesh, for example, and how that's the consensus is, is that it's essential for 
uh, deploying on uh, cloud native and legacy actually, as we're addressing that as well. And at the same time, people are adding and honing their tools for that. And there's a subset of that. We're having other tools and they're honing those. And we're, it's kind of, it seems that we're not at the point where Kubernetes and cloud native deployments are becoming you know, boring, but at the same time, again, to go back to what I originally said, you know, they're getting the work done and it's interesting seeing how that's played out. Well, we definitely talked a lot this year about Kubernetes being boring. Yeah, we did. Can we not use that? Can we not do that? I, I understand where you guys are coming from, but a lot of people are working on Kubernetes and it sounds, I, what your guys are trying to say is that it's become production ready. It's, there's no great surprises. It's the norm. Yeah. It's the norm. Yeah. Well, but you know, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, especially on the networking side uh, in terms of, it's still kind of a, a nightmare to, to deploy when you, when you really, especially when you want to do stateful work workloads. So, you know, the work's not done yet. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, Joe, that's an excellent point. And, um, you know, for me, I, I just, it's, it's, it's semantic for me. I mean, you know, it's, it's never going to become boring, but um, maybe my defini definition's atypical. But for me, when I say boring, I'm thinking that the developer, they're going to start doing their work and working on their code or their applications and the learning curve of Kubernetes. That, it should eventually not even be a learning curve. I mean, it's just part of the, the context of what they're developing their application for. So, yeah, they talk about it's going to become boring or it should be boring, et cetera. But, you know, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, I, I think that, from my opinion, um, we shouldn't even be talking about Kubernetes maybe in a year from now. Oh, well, yeah. I, I don't see that happening that soon. Uh, Kubernetes is just still, it's just too darn hard for most people. Yeah. Uh, it just really is. Uh, even if you're using something like, say, OpenShift, uh, it, it doesn't come easily. And there are still fundamental things like, you know, networking, handling stateful, uh, identity and authentic, authentic can't say it, authentication. Um, there's uh, security, oh brother, security. There's a lot of work still to be done on Kubernetes and a lot of people who are still getting up to speed on Kubernetes and are going to be getting up to speed for quite some time because it just fundamentally, it's just not that easy for people to do. I was uh, looking at your top post for each of uh, our writers here, uh, Joe included. And I was looking uh, at uh, your top post, Stephen. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, it, you know, and clearly um, the uh, solar wind story right. uh, is uh, a big one. I think it has, uh, you know, it, it's, it's upwards of 28. It's in our 96 percentiles, we like to say. It has something like 20, it was a popular story. We, we yeah. probably shouldn't get into numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's, um, and it'll have a long tail. Yeah. I mean, it'll have a long tail and, you know, and, and then we have other stories too, like your, uh, unfixable Kubernetes security hole means potential man in the middle attacks. Right. Uh, then there was, uh, you know, uh, these stories are, are, 
I guess I'm wondering, is it going to freeze things up a little bit? Is it going to, uh, is it going to slow development down? But I don't think so. I mean, it seems like there's not, not going to be any slowdown, but there will be a lot of new, uh, a lot of new startups that will be funded. I'm, I'm sure uh, that's, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm sharing kind of with someone else that on Twitter about that. You know, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, security and that, uh, that bug, I mean, Kubernetes was never designed with multiple tenancy in mind. It just wasn't. But, you know, it's there. And I was really surprised because I heard from a lot of people after that story came out, a lot of them saying, yeah, that's right. I mean, what would mean? Why could you leave the key in the lock like that so everyone can do it? But I also heard from a lot of people saying, no, we use it all the time. In fact, it's an essential part of our workflow. And... Okay, well, I, I can understand. Okay, if you tell me this is true, I believe you. It's an, it really is essential for you. But it's, you know, there's a lot of things actually thinking of security matters. Like we used to always run containers as root. And I know darn well a lot of you out there are still running rooted containers. Bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> but in both cases, these are not good ideas. Fundamentally, they are not. They're not secure, folks. And uh, ask SolarWinds how it works out for them when they did something fundamentally insecure and someone took advantage of it. Okay. Well, as you point out to to Stephen, that SolarWinds was not uh, using open source. Right. And was actually anti-open source. Yep. So, um, and that's an interesting trend, I think, from this year too. I guess we were talking about this earlier, but um, but this has been a, a banner year for open source, mm -hmm. um, as it every year seems to be, um, but for different reasons. And in this case, there's been a lot of progress in the security realm. Right. Um, and uh, and I mean, with the the CNCF, um, you know, now have doing training for security for DevSecOps. Mm -hmm. um and uh you know um yeah. I, I think um having um i guess a lot of uh, a lot of uh, progress made in that space I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that from the open source angle uh we actually need to do a lot more work there uh the linux foundation and harvard just completed a survey uh published a certain survey result and about 3% of developers, that's one to 3% of developers are interested in doing security on their own projects. It is just, it is at the absolute bottom of their to-do list. Uh, and we need to, uh, that's a mindset that we need to change. And really, I've been covering programming for 30 years. It's almost always been at the bottom of everyone's to-do list. We can't afford that attitude, though. But I'm not sure how we can change it. But they, the foundation made a number of suggestions, some of which is just to make it a lot easier for people to do security. Give them, give developers tools that will let, allow them to build in security without a lot of extra time, effort, and sweat. Uh, if somebody wants a project that, if anyone's listening who wants a project, uh, building open tool source tools that enforce security by design. There's somebody out there will give you money to do this. Um, 
So, you know, we just need to do a whole lot more work there. We're, we're making some progress. You know, to switch over to another topic, uh, we were talking about how Rust might be taking over from C uh, because Rust is inherently more secure than C is. I mean, I've been programming in C badly, mind you, which is why I'm a journalist <laughs> and not a programmer. But I can read code with the best of them. And there's still a lot of garbage C out there. And I can I know enough Rust to be able to read Rust now. And you know what? It just is more secure. And I don't know that we're going to see like a, uh, a Rust Linux kernel anytime soon. But we are now starting to see a whole lot more programs uh, around the kernel, Linux kernel itself being written in Rust, and a lot of top-level projects now moving to Rust. And uh, I think that would just help people a lot. Because again, in this case, Rust is inherently more secure, so you don't have to sweat as much as you do of C with, now where does that pointer really go? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> and so on. Well, you know, one, I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be a little uh, provocative here, and uh, say to, you know, Jennifer, there's, there's no machismo in security. I mean, where is the machismo in security? I mean, where, you know, it, it, it's not exactly, uh, you know, uh, like a, uh, a bro fest kind of a topic, so to speak. Uh, but you know, so I mean. Now, you've been covering a lot of kind of the problems that we have in, in this world with just being so, you know, just so dominated by, you know, by men in the space. I mean, what are some of the kind of the things that come to your mind about what are the real priorities here for the tech world? Okay, first, I live in a weird bubble that sometimes need to check myself in. So I talked to Tammy Buto one day and I said, it seems like SRE is a really, site reliability engineering is a really female industry. And she was like, no, it's like 2%. And I was like, oh, so at least I'm interviewing the right people, but I'm not getting a grasp sometimes for how male dominated, white dominated, well, I live in that grasp. So I get that, but it still was really funny when you said that. Um, I think the biggest issues right now, it's still going to be, COVID is still going to be the big issue of 2021 and tech is going to be involved in that because already we saw what happened in Stanford. They neglected to provide, they used an algorithm that neglected to provide vaccines for doctors. So the algorithm did work and there's going to be tech solution to providing, especially in a country as large as the US to manage those logistics. But I, I would definitely say my bet for next year is security and environment besides the logistics of COVID. Um, I'm working on my first environment piece since I think March. I realized that my best podcasts this year were on Dat Clean Green data centers and Google rollout. I don't know if that's because people are sick of listening to podcasts because they were pre-pandemic podcasts or if people really give two craps about the environment. I hope it's the latter. Um, but I do realize that we're all on overload with media. But I realize I've kind of neglected the environment this year as well in my own writing. And I think the world is literally on fire. We just, everything else has been happening, but the world has literally been on fire this year. So I definitely believe the biggest, most successful company 
to come out in 2021. And I don't know what it is. And if it comes out, is somebody that helps organizations measure their carbon footprint. It is incredibly difficult. And then automate that. The cloud is still, even when it's dirty AWS, the cloud is still better than someone managing it on their own. And anybody automating, measuring that, even before we can talk about updating anything, just measuring it is the biggest in demand thing right now, I think. And then the other thing is security. And when we're talking about security, Stephen, all I kept thinking about that would be interesting is I, I think security, it's its insane that you can have a full stack team and security not being a part of it. It doesn't even make sense that you should be able to release without security being a part of it. It actually feels even crazier than ethics not being a part of it. But mm -hmm. I would like to see ethics lumped in with security. And when people go through sprints and retrospectives, this has to be part of the culture at this point now. Mm -hmm. I, I would also, I mean, just this came into my head as you're speaking, uh, the ethics part of security and just ethical hacking. I mean, hackering and hacking has had its rep, in, in, even in the, in the tech sector, people have this, still have this idea of the bro culture, the hoodies, et cetera, um, for, ha for hackers and the hacking culture. And in fact, um, if only maybe, as Stephen mentioned, 3% of developers are even involved in security, et cetera. We really need to change the mindset and 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 make make people aware that ethical hacking exists, and and it just and it goes beyond just penetration testing, and it can even be fun. So you know we're talking about C and the facility of you know, buffer overflows, for example, with uh, x86 processors. You know that was fun back in the day, and then now. Look at what's happening, and maybe we can work on just making it ch a changing the perception and making it more inclusive, and showing that a uh, hacking has its purpose uh, that goes just beyond security testing, and b it can actually be fun and definitely ethical. So, so Joe, what were some of the stories that just really didn't resonate this year? That did uh, or that. Uh, that are starting to fall off at interest. Uh, you know, we're talking about kind of topics that are, are difficult to get people's heads around, uh, but, you know, topics that didn't actually fare as well, did, didn't show as much interest. And I'd be curious Libby's perspective on this too. That's a hard thing to ask because inherently we didn't notice them because we weren't paying attention to them. Um, what are there topics that fell off in interest, uh, do you see compared to in 2019? Um, let me think about that. Uh, none that immediately come to mind. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Libby? Um, well, one that, that comes to mind for me was there was a big focus on CD, CICD last year with the yeah. um, mm -hmm. creation of the Continuous Delivery Foundation. And we covered that a lot last year. And um, we just haven't seen as much momentum around that this year um and and it's actually showing in our reader survey as well that it's not as um high of an interest topic uh so that's i know serverless one, serverless has been kind of mad topic. as well um you know people are kind of interested in it but not not super interested in it but uh, i guess it depends on the who the audience is 
I guess you're right too, Joe, in some respects. I mean, we don't cover blockchain, but I haven't heard much about blockchain outside of our world. Really. Oh, I heard an interesting uh, uh, statistic about blockchain. I think it's from Morgan Stanley that 92% of the projects that uh, that uh, uh, have been started in the last five years, uh, blockchain projects have been abandoned, like the vast majority of them. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of seen it as a multi-level marketing scheme. I'm sorry. That's how you really feel. But there's, there's, I mean, what can the blockchain do that a a, a mature distributed uh, database system can't, is my question. You know, one technology which I think has finally become boring is containers. I mean, there were certainly, there was a time, uh, you know, one of my most well-hit stories ever was on Docker. When Docker equals container, that was it. And everyone, mm-hmm. died, even though containers actually have a very long history going back to the CentOS and even IBM mainframe days, but everyone bought Docker and containers. That was everything. But now I think everyone pretty much gets what containers are, at least people who take it seriously, though I am constantly by surprised by people who, who still don't quite can't wrap their minds around it. But I think containers certainly have finally become boring. Uh, and as for blockchain, I don't know if I'd call it a multi-level marketing scheme, but I have to say I, I've known a lot of blockchain projects a few years ago, and people were really excited and going places with it except they never got to any of the places they were going to. And I, I just haven't seen it. And uh, maybe there's someone will actually, though, as I think even as I said that, I think, well, containers were around forever. And so and then it was only five, six years ago that they finally took off. Maybe there is a uh, a solution, a product, a service that will popularize blockchain and will finally live up to its promise. But if there is such a thing, we haven't seen it yet. I got an under under talk under discussed topic this year: multi cloud. Multi cloud. We thought last year would be the next big thing, but it doesn't really seem like people are that interested in it. Or if, if they do talk about it, it's kind of radical. Well, it gets back to I mean, uh, uh, some of the more interesting topics is like identity, you know, and 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 uh, you know, and, and the management of not just people but lots and lots of things and try to do that on multiple cloud services. And I think that it's going to kind of change the definition of how we think about cloud services too, because if, if an edge device is as much as a, you know, um, a a way to kind of manage it, uh, you know, manage a network. And if you can have compute and storage on that edge device, then you're starting to look at kind of a whole different kind of thinking on what cloud services are. I mean, I'm personally interested in the hardware story and I'm doing some work with Intel and it's, it's certainly, uh, 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 piquing my interest around uh, how we think about, uh, you know, these, you know, these uh, programmable, you know, like FPGAs and how you think about FPGAs and how you think about uh, service mesh and the intersection with, uh, you know, with, with network monitoring. And uh, so the networking layer and the, and the, and the programmable layer are definitely kind of intersecting here. And, you know, it changes our, our is, for me at least, changes our perceptions about, you know, about a lot of what we're looking at. I mean, another thing is just the interest in storage. It's, it's not necessarily storage anymore, 
but it's about the data store itself. And if you look at a, a database like, you know, like Vitesse, you know, it's, I just was actually tweeted about earlier today, how much it's grown in, 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 uh, in contributions uh, and in the number of companies who have, who have adopted it. And it's a giant data store, right? You know, essentially. That's something we learned this year, right, Alex? Is that our readers say they, they're not interested in storage and it's not an, uh, a sexy topic for them. But then when we look at the numbers, um, what people are actually reading, they want to read about storage and, and, and specifically um, about application state and how to manage state uh, in, in distributed systems. Yeah, nobody wants to think about storage. I mean, just like, you know, your personal, you want to back up your personal files, you have to go out and buy a, uh, you know, go out and buy a, a, um, an SSD from uh, Best Buy or you get some, you know, get a cloud plan with Google. But, you know, you don't necessarily want to expend any effort thinking about it more than you have to. But still a problem. I think definitely a topic that links a lot of these things together is what James Governor kind of successfully dubbed, it's always good to have successful naming of progressive delivery. And I think that comes down to this idea, if people watching don't know the idea of progressive delivery, it's anything from chaos engineering observability to service mesh to AB release cycles, anything where you're controlling the radius of your release. So I think that's had a good year. And what I was thinking when we were talking about the CICD hasn't been a trending topic. It's either because you're doing it or as we've worked Cornelia Davis said at KubeCon, it's, there shouldn't be CICD. There should be continuous integration that's proven, that's gone on for a while. And then there should be continuous delivery. These can't be together and it all comes back to security automation security, you can't possibly automate the two. And I think progressive delivery and the whole theme is, is it in production or not? That seems to be the theme of this year. Cause we all say like, charity majors, where's her cool test in prod t-shirt? It's great, but not everyone can do it. Who can do that? Who can't? So everything is coming down to what can you have in production? What can you not? And that comes back to Steven, your entire topic of security. So maybe this 3%, <laughs> kills me this whole idea that three percent of developers don't want to do their security but if they're doing progressive delivery right if they're doing GitOps right which GitOps is kind of an alternative to CICD are they doing security and they just don't know it anyone else on uh on progressive delivery or or any other topic that you'd like to see that you didn't that you there almost was an underdog in many ways that did that had a that they showed it's it started to show its metal um, as the year went on. Was there anything? Black lives matter, do they? I'm sorry. But, like I got real excited that y'all wanted to invest in that topic. Mm -hmm. That Newstack had a commitment to an editorial angle that Black Lives Matter. I don't know how it went because I don't have the statistics editorially, but it felt very performative at times of other organizations. Did anybody really do anything that helps support Black Lives Matter in tech? I'm not sure. Not enough. Certainly not enough, yeah. I, would argue. I think, and this is really more of a gut feeling than anything I have any numbers on, but I think the switch to a virtual work world has helped that some that is black life matters or just you know gay or, or or women or whatever 
because we now are living in a virtual world where I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. You, some of you are in Oregon. One of you is in France. And yes, we are all waspish in look and so on. But I've been in other meetings where people who might otherwise not have had a voice have had a voice because they feel more comfortable. I it, it seems to me, again, this is just my perception, that they feel more comfortable getting their voice out there when it's in a remote situation where they don't have to do deal with a bro culture. It's not quite so much in their face as it is in other when it when they're at the uh, office. Um, I'm gonna politely disagree. Sure, go. Uh, yes, there are certain circumstances, and I think the open source community in general is more welcoming. And uh, KubeCon's a good example. You have a lot of speakers from Africa for the first time, and they're not increasing their carbon footprint by participating, and it's great. But Zoom has also, there's been a lot of writing and a lot of proof that Zoom is quite a, which Zoom is our de facto video conferencing, is quite a hostile place for people. You're inviting people into their homes, so it makes you more vulnerable. Um, virtual backgrounds behead Black people in Zoom, or at least they did till hopefully they fix that. Um, it, there's a lot of vulnerability that comes. Uh, sexual harassment still happening. Grow women in tech, sorry, I was about to say girls in tech, women in tech are not getting groped at conferences as we didn't talk about, but the one last year, on last year, I knew four individuals that are female that all got groped at a conference. Like I Whoa. personally know. And this was after, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, this is happening. So now women are getting asked out in their DMs. They're getting, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say this more nicely, dick pics in their DMs. So they have a broader audience maybe percentage, it's more welcoming. Um, I do see more representation on stage. I'm hoping it's not just performative for 2020, but I don't think it's there yet. I, I love in theory, I should be. And there it is more inclusive in a way at home, but then if we're talking about inclusiveness of differently abled people, our company is really caring. I think everything was yay in March, April. Let's let's be supportive. Psychological safety, work-life balance. Now it's boom, boom, boom. It's yeah. just everyone has to work harder. Mm -hmm. um, there are layoffs. Statistically, women and people of color are the first to get cut for, I'm sure, biases and others. And we can't forget we have a pandemic going on. They're the ones getting most hit. Mm -hmm. And people of color are most likely to have people living with them and taking care of people. Right. Well, yeah, good. There's ahead, so, oh, sorry. There's so much stratification that's been historically baked in, I guess, to the whole uh, IT, IT employment that we haven't even begun to address that. It's good that that we're recognizing individuals and moving them up. But at the same time, you know, I got friends, a lot of friends in the restaurant industry in New York that are having difficulty finding jobs. And they're like, well, why don't I get into coding? And it's difficult to point the path forward. It's difficult you know, to provide the tools to, you know, even get people on that, on that level where they can just start moving forward. It's just, you know, there's just a lot of work that still needs to be done by society as a whole. Well, I think we can say that uh, 2021 will uh, be a year where we may 
we may possibly get together again uh, if the vaccine is effective in any in any way, but it's not going to be until later in the year. Um, but I think you know um, the new stack could do better in its coverage of uh, you know the BIPOC uh, world and how they're you know in in the context with uh, you know our focus on explanation analysis of at scale development, deployment, and management. So Jennifer, keep uh, keep pushing us, and anyone out there in the, who's watching this or listening. Uh, Please, please uh, not press us. It's important for us to be uh, uh, to be uh, accountable. Uh, so that's some, that's that's something that I'd like to end on with. And but I just would like to say to you know thank all the people who have uh, come to the NewSAC to read our stories and to provide uh, 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 and to listen to our shows. It's uh, it's uh, quite meaningful. And take our surveys. And take our surveys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and to help us be on top of these topics. And I just want to thank each and every one of you here uh, and all the great work that you do. Uh, uh, Stephen, you've, you've been relatively new to our group, and I just can't tell you how nice it is to have you work with us. Your, your expertise and perspectives and context and writing are so good. Jennifer, your, your perspectives are, are right on. So thank you so much for your podcast and everything else. And and Bruce, you're, uh, you know, Bruce, 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 I, I'm, I miss you at Circus Circus. I got to tell you that much. Uh, in Vegas and all our uh, our different kind of places where we met, Bruce is uh, a real champ. Thank you so much. And Job, straight out of Brooklyn, you know, J Job is uh, in West Virginia and uh, has done just such a fantastic job in managing the new stack and Libby, and it helps us keep it all together and it's been a real force for us over the years and just has done such great work. And Eddie is behind the mic and I don't know if Eddie can make a kind of a cameo here, but uh, th thanks to Eddie. Uh, if anyone would let you know, why don't we just go around with last, uh, just the last word about the year and what looks ahead and, you know, just uh, so we can end on, on your notes. Uh, uh, Steven, why don't we start with you? Uh, sure. Um, 2021, uh, I, I really hate to tell you this, but vaccine or not, we're not out of the woods yet by any means. Uh, earlier I said I'd gone, you know, my normal year of business travel was over 100,000 miles and this year I was at zero. I think it'll be greater than zero, but I honestly don't expect that I'll be going to technology conferences or that they'll be even be even be being held at least until the fall. Uh, which means we really need to, uh, if you're still working at home and you, you need to, whatever your situation is, you need to buy equipment, you need to get more space, whatever, go ahead and do it because uh, you're gonna be working from home uh, for quite a while still to come. And on the other hand though, if that gets to be a bit much for you, consider all those poor folks out there who are in retail or restaurant work and they don't have the option. In a way, we're very blessed to be able to do work that is both meaningful and that we can do from home. So uh, yeah. hang in there, folks. I'm gonna jump in and say completely agree. I'm very hashtag stay the home. Uh, I think it's just, first of all, one of my clients checked in with everybody last month and said, what do you need? We're checking in again. What do you need now to make your at-home office comfortable? 
I think that's a really good way to start 2021. Let's just get rid of that. Um, and yeah, I think 2021, we can't forget Black Lives Matter. We can't forget the people most effed by this industry. I mean, not by this, in well, yeah, actually by this industry too. I was going to say pandemic, but both. Uh, we have to dedicate our lives to that. And that is all cyclical to coming back to the environment is so important. It's going to be an important topic. Just staying home, that is still a brave thing. It's more boring. It was cool in April when we were all making bread. Just stay home. Keep doing what we're doing. Like I said, tech is about making creative solutions to the problems now. Keep going for it because I think it's good. And I just want to say this is the longest job I've had working with the new stack. So that says something about y'all. And it's just really fun to cover, to be a technical and to cover such important topics and the culture side of tech. So thank you. All right, Bruce. Bruce is frozen up. So we'll go to. Uh, I was going to say that I'm. I'm the ever the geek and um yeah i think we're gonna i mean yeah as you said as you said Stephen, in a very we're in a very sober uh moment of history but at the same time we're gonna have by force or whatever we're gonna focus on the work and ultimately uh, a lot of this development work is fascinating and operations work and the shift to the cloud and i think we're gonna see some interesting continue to see some interesting things this year, uh, technology wise, and we might have some surprises, but you know, at the worst case, I mean, at the very least, we're going to see some more, you know, how things are going to play out more and in terms of DevOps <clears throat> and uh, keeping it all together and seeing how these massive deployments continue to take place. And we'll, at the, this time next year, we'll say, ah, oh, yeah, that, that really worked and that didn't. Um, I don't know. That's my philosophy. Just focus on the work uh, right. opposed to what's going on out, uh, elsewhere. Libby. Well, I just want to say that I'm extremely hopeful for 2021. Um, I don't want to jinx it, knock on the table, but, <laughs> but I think um, uh, like all of you pointed out, um, it's been a really, Really difficult year, um, and but we've all hung in there um, and and really uh, made a lot of progress um, in a lot of ways, culturally and um, technologically. And so um, I'm looking forward to 2021 uh, and what it will bring. Joe, take it out. Oh uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think 2021 is the year that. Kubernetes is going to have to come to terms with the enterprise. I think a lot of organizations have shoveled as many apps as they can into containers, but they're not really, you know, developing. They're, they're, they're grappling with the stateful apps. And uh, I think the Kubernetes community is going to have to start figuring out what sort of enterprise features, like live migration, for instance, that can be done within Kubernetes and versus what that can be done external to Kubernetes. So it'll be a great reckoning coming up this year. Well, thank you everyone. And once again, uh, thanks everyone to uh, who's watching uh, watching this and who's uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, we, we couldn't be here without you. So, uh, so have a great year, have a great holiday, and we'll talk again soon. Listen to more episodes of the Newstack Analyst at the Newstack 
Facebook.io forward slash podcasts. Please rate and review us on iTunes, like us on YouTube, and follow us on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.